you now, Cam. <gasps> What's with all the snake art, Thea Frida? I'm working through my trauma! Hello and welcome to Hello Gamer the Podcast. I'm your host, Abdullah, and I am joined today by Roxana Ortega. <laughs> Hello, thank you for having me. Oh man, this has been... I have um, wish we could have met under better circumstances, but um, you know, it is, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, there's hope. There's hope coming. Oh man, it's um, but yeah, um, Roxana, you whom you might know from a lot of things, making her, <laughs> I I just love this. You made your debut in something I played as a twelve-year-old. You made your debut in Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus <laughs> as Carmelita Fox, <gasps> the original. <laughs> I did. I had no idea what I was getting into or what I was doing. I I was in San Francisco at the time, and I was just doing theater and improvisation. And somehow I got that audition. I didn't know what voiceover was. I didn't really play video games. And um, I remember thinking, well, I guess I have to dress like this person because I was so used to on camera. And it was the description of Carmelita Fox was uh, a mix between Agent Scully from X-Files and J-Lo. So I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to wear my hair like this. You know, it was totally not voiceover mind at all. But I went in and I and I got it and I did it. God, that was a long time ago. <laughs> that That game's going to be like 20 years old <laughs> come next year, so... <laughs> yep that that that's about my voiceover career <laughs> no but i mean i just love that because like i looked at that and i'm like you know what i've interviewed a lot of people on the show and they've had like debuts that are unflattering but to me that's like like how can you not go up from that like that is like the best debut <laughs> i've seen from <laughs> from anyone <laughs> that i've had on the show <laughs> Thank you. You know, what's so funny is, you know, how could I not go up from that? I mean, I didn't even have voiceover representation. You know, I was in the Bay Area in Northern California, and then I moved to Los Angeles. And again, my mind was on camera acting like I didn't even understand the world of voiceover acting, even though I did that Carmelita Fox. You know, even though I did Sly Cooper, my brain was still like, okay. I'm going to, you know, get on TV and, you know, films and all that stuff. So it took me a long time to get get voiceover representation. It came to me. It, like, came after me. You know, my reps kind of found me. And that's how I did my second project, which actually was, come to think of it, another creature. It was... um I voice matched Penelope Cruz in G-Force, the movie. So it's not too far off from car- from a, playing a fox to playing a guinea pig. <laughs> and of course, like it, it all had to come full circle because years later, when you got on, you know, when you got the role of Frida on The Loud House, who did you bump into when you did like the crossover episodes? Gray Griffin, who also played Carmelita in in uh, Sly in Sly Four, so it all comes together. 
I know. I mean, I'm such a fan fan of Grey. And when I did a little digging, you know, um, when I did get into voiceover and I started, you know, doing research, like who are the top women in, in voiceover? Like, I remember Grey, you know, immediately pops up and I was looking at her work and I was like, oh my God, we played the same role. And I was so honored to be in that company. No, I mean, I just, I just thought it was funny because like, you know, watching like the, like all the, I think um, the crossover episode was the Thanksgiving episode, if I remember correctly. And yeah. I, and it, and when I watched that the first time, it did not occur to me that we had like two Carmelita Foxes in, in the same show and they did not interact. And I was disappointed in that. <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked about that. I mean, now I don't, I definitely don't cross paths with her because everything's done remotely now, but when we have crossed paths, I don't think we've ever uh, acknowledged that, uh, you know, that we did play Carmelita. That's because uh, nerds like myself aren't part of the production crew. Otherwise, I would have pointed that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we should have a nerd standing by at all, you know, at all production meetings and recordings just to point out things like that. No, but I just, I just thought, I just thought that was really hilarious because it's like you know, because um, the running joke in the Sly fandom is that Carmelita always gets recast in in the sequels. Always, yes. right? <laughs> and I, when when I was looking you up, I'm like, because I, you know, when I was looking you up, I, um, I, I, you know, looking at at your like old headshots, I'm like, wait a minute, I recognize that that woman. I'm like, wasn't she in an episode of New Girl? And I'm like, yes, she was. <laughs> yes. yes, I was. I just, you guys have no idea. I have been watching like so much stuff with you in it to prepare for this interview. I know that you were in a Tom Hanks movie. I know that you were on a show with Patrick Warburton and you had a scene with him and it was great. It was real funny and... Man, you 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 you've done a lot of stuff, and I'm kind of jealous that you've done that you've worked with some of the best of the best in, in in the industry. I've been, yeah, I feel like I've been so um, blessed in that way to just, yeah, there've been a lot of just I don't know luck or what happened, but the first film that I did down here again, I think I was I was non-union. It was like my third job maybe I had to join the union at that point. It was my third job, but I got to work opposite Sandra Bullock in Miss Congeniality too. And I was such a fan of hers um, and totally green again. And just like, Oh my God, you know, imposter syndrome, like, what am I doing here? Uh, <laughs> how did I land this? You know? And yeah. And the Tom Hanks one, that is, is a joy. I will remember forever. They ended up cutting like the majority of stuff that I did. I was pregnant. I, uh, he carried me in a chair, like my water broke during the limbo with him. It was amazing. The things we got to shoot and he let me improvise jokes with him. Um, he w he was just the most wonderful person. He lives up to the hype, you know? And, um, he, he was just so playful. Everything he did, uh, while directing and acting in it. It was just such a joy, even though most of, I mean, pretty much all the stuff ended up cut, cut, cut from the top of the movie um, that we shot for at least a week. Yeah, but it was a joy. 
I mean, I just, I just kind of find it weird that your IMDb says like known for, you know, Larry Crown, and I'm like, she's known for a cameo in a Tom Cruise in a Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I think I'm credited twice. I mean, second, it's like Tom Hanks, Roxana Ortega on the <laughs> like at the end of the film because I'm the second person you see, and it's literally a flash. And, and the, you know, the, the media and the internet's insane. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm known for. <laughs> Just a, a blink and you'll miss it. <laughs> miss it. Yeah, uh... yeah. Unless you know me, then you, uh, I mean, if that's how you're going to know me, you're not going to know me at all. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it's, it, it's. You know, but it, but it. But I mean, it's it's a hilarious, um, you know, conversation starter. You, you know, you're talking to someone, you're like, I, I was in a Tom Hanks movie. Oh, really? Which one? You know, Larry Crown? Yeah. You, you know, the opening credits? I'm in that for a split second. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, and and again, like, we have so many, we have a lot of behind the scenes photos. I, randomly, they cast several people that I knew. We were all employees with him at the store. Um, and if anybody's familiar with that movie, you know, but, um, they, the rest of the cast we were working with, some of them were friends of mine. And so it was like a dream. I'm like, how am I here with, you know, five cool people that I know and Tom Hanks is directing us and we're improvising all these fun scenes and everyone was just cut except for they kept in one scene with Randall, Randall Park who is a, a friend of mine and uh, they kept in his scene, which is great from the beginning. And, you know, that's the business and you can't be so set on, you never know unless you're in charge, what is going to be used and what isn't or what's going to be terrible and what isn't, you know, but you just have to enjoy the ride, enjoy the experience. And that's kind of how I've approached things. Because I was wondering, like, you know, they set up the whole, you know, the opening sequence is, is to establish, like, you know, his job and what he's doing and his relationship with the other characters. And when he meets with his bosses, higher ups, he, he mentions your character, you know, having a baby and whatnot. I'm like, was there an entire subplot that got cut? Because I feel like there 100%. was. A hundred percent. It was like a big deal. I was the pregnant, you know, employee. There were all these bits around it. And, you know, that's, that's how it goes in movies. It's made in the editing room and, um, you know, they just decided to cut out that whole intro part of the rest of his employee friends and, you know, jump to the rest of the movie. So that's that. That's the biz. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, it's, it's interesting looking, looking at that and, you know, seeing the the trajectory of your career and, and, you know, being involved in what I consider a huge deal, which is, you know, Casa Grande's because, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, a while ago, you know, looking at looking back at all the shows, you know, I grew up with and the shows, you know, that are currently on. And I'm like, man, we really didn't have like a lot of ca- like because most of the casts back in, you know, back in the 90s were all, you know, geared towards one specific audience and there wasn't like a lot of you know, diversity in, in casts, but now it's like, you know, seeing something, you know, uh, like the Casa Grande days being aired on Nickelodeon of all channels is kind of like, wow, man, like I, I never thought I would live to, 
to see the day that something like this could um could not only make it to television but also be a huge you know success yeah i i just i'm so grateful to be a part of it it's such a special show it's such an important show to have that kind of representation and 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 yeah the the fact that the response has been so great and, and you know the quality of the show and and everything that the writers and the animators and the voice actors are doing it's just so great it's just it feels it just feels so great to be a part of something so special that's meaningful to audiences and and how did you get uh, the role of frida like what what was the audition process for that Oh, it was, you know, the same as all auditions that, you know, you get emailed in a week. You know, we have anywhere from five to 15, 20 auditions that come across in an email. And I just, you know, approached it like any other one. And I believe I went into the booth because our agency at the time had booths. I think I went in and auditioned just like another audition and then forgot about it. And uh, it came probably like a month or two later. Like I, I have a tendency and an approach to just forget what I auditioned for immediately. It, it's something that I learned a long time ago to not get attached to anything. Just like playing a slot machine in Vegas. You just put in a coin, you flip the thing, you just keep going. And then if you get a jackpot, wow, that's great. But you just kind of automatically audition like you're putting slots in a slot machine. And when it came when it came back that I got the role, I thought, oh, great, I'm going to be doing a day on the Loud House jackpot, you know, and I had no idea that it would turn into a spinoff show and. It, it was just a huge surprise. There were, once we started recording, there were kind of little whispers, this might turn into a spinoff show. But as an actor, again, as a as a way of surviving, you just don't believe anything <laughs> great is going to happen unless it's like actually happens. I mean, look, listen, the Tom Hanks of it all, right? Like you get a movie like that and you think this is it man, I'm with Tom Hanks. I'm going to be, you know, this is it. I'm in a movie with Tom Hanks. This is going to be amazing. And then you're cut. So I guess the Casa Grandes has just been surprise after surprise of, wow, this is actually happening and it's great. And I'm still doing it. Like it's, it's actually like great. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it's just been a wonderful surprise. Yeah, because I remember the original, you know, the introduction to to the Casa Grande extended family was in an episode of Loud House, and and a lot of people like watch that episode and and thought, you know, is this a backdoor pilot? Because it feels like a backdoor pilot, and in many ways it probably was. But uh, you know, back then we didn't know that we were go we were going to get a full series out of it because it's like because because there were rumors saying you know maybe Nick was considering you know, doing Casa Grandes, but then, you know, the incident happened <laughs> and, you know, now, and going back to, to Frida, did you, did you, um, did they tell you, like, did they have like an idea of what they wanted with the character or what, did you just say, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And cause I know she's inspired by Frida Carlo in a way, like design wise. Oh, Frida and, Carlo. Yeah. Um, 
kind of, you know, yeah, she's named after Frida Kahlo. I mean, we've never really, I've never really talked about it with the creators, but you know, when I got the audition, there was a breakdown of the character that uh, probably said emotional, you know, maybe lives for her family, but just a feeler, you know, and I, that was very easy for me to get inspired by because I am very much that, um, very emotional, very sensitive. I love Frida Kahlo, although Frida Kahlo wasn't, and you know, didn't doesn't impact the way I play. Um, this character is nothing like uh, Frida Kahlo. Well, maybe she's a little like Frida Kahlo. I don't know. I, I have done a lot of research on Frida Kahlo before this show. I'm obsessed with Frida Kahlo. But, um, you know, the inspiration really was my own, um, I guess, sensitivity and emotionality. And several of my aunts uh, provide Im- inspiration for Frida. I-, I grew up with eight aunts, Peruvian aunts. And they are all characters. And so Frida has a lot of my aunts in her because a lot of a lot of them are in me as well. So I comedically have found so much inspiration from my aunts. They are the reason that I got into comedy. And my writing is very much influenced by them. So this character gives me an opportunity to kind of breathe some life um, into her from them. So it, it's just perfection. It, it, it was made, it was made for me. I feel like this role was made for me. <laughs> and I just love the fact that everything she says, like she's so melodramatic compared to the other cast members. Yeah. It's just, it's just so hilarious, especially the episode <gasps> where she tries to teach Ronnie Ann dancing. She just goes overboard. And when she finds out like no one wants to do it, she starts crying and, and saying, I'm sorry, ancestors. I failed you. Yes. she kills me the writers and the animators do such a great job and you know I'm challenged with a million ways to cry you know like finding ways different new ways to cry uh has been really fun a fun challenge and and like I said I'm somebody who cries almost all the time okay like I cry less now probably but as a very sensitive person, like I throughout my life have cried and, and I am very intense um, with my crying. Uh, I am, I don't know if you've, I, I'm a nerd with psychology and things like that, but there's a whole um, group of people who are HSP, which is highly sensitive people. It's like 10% of human beings. Um, and I am that like, you can Google it and find out about it, but somebody who experiences emotions intensely. So I get Frida. I've decided Frida is an HSP. So she experiences things very intensely and she feels it all. She expresses it all. And she, her art, you know, helps her through it all. So she gets to create, you know, paintings to process to process all of her feelings, you know, and her tears are in the paintings. And I just think it's, it's so funny and it's, and it's, there's truth to it, you know, from my perspective. 
No, I mean, because um, I know like a lot of artists, you know, I mean, I've done a lot of research and I know like a lot of artists are very perfectionists. And I just love the fact that she's kind of <laughs> a perfectionist in the way of, you know, the the episode where, you know, Maria has like a little bit of free time and she's like, I, I want to paint you because you're the only member of the family I haven't painted you. And she's like, I haven't found the look yet. And she just spends like hours trying to find the look. And, <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, that's the look. Wait, this? I'm just like trying to take a sip. Yes, that's a look. Now, now keep now stand there for like twelve hours straight. <laughs> just... Yeah, I remember that episode. It's so funny, it's so fun. And and then and recently, like there was another episode, a crossover episode with the Loud House, and um, you know when they had to all share a room, uh, share a room together, and they had to you know use um, Lynn and, and Lucy's rooms, and I just love the bit where they're all sleeping in coffins, and she's like freaking out, and 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 her husband's like, oh no, it's not so bad. We can pretend like we're ancient mummies, and she's like, you're not helping. <laughs> Oh gosh, it, it's it's so fun to be um, to be able to be you know the funny one in that. Like I said, coming from a comedy background, um, there I've been cast in many comedies on camera, you know, but a lot of times as the straight person, and I just haven't felt like I had full permission. Uh, to be as funny as I think I can be. And, and this show and the writing, I just feel like I have full permission to get the laughs and um, and I have so much fun doing it. And I also love the fact that, you know, like no one's like the joke is like she's, you know, overly emotional, but it's not like we're not meant to like find her annoying. We're meant to to just laugh with her, not at her. And that I think that's kind of yeah. like that's just so rare in cartoons where it's like, oh, you want me to laugh with a character and not at them. I'm like that's that's a mark of good writing. Yeah. <laughs> like that is the mark of good writing. Yes. And, and, you know, to get really deep, what I really, really love about it is um, to provide a way for kids to talk about feelings. And, you know, I have people on social media go, oh, Frida's always crying. Why is she always crying? I want to give her a hug like she's in pain, you know? And I like to say, you know, just because she's crying, the crying isn't a bad thing. This is how she is in the world and she gets it out and she makes art. She's actually fine. She, that's just who she is. It's okay to have feelings it's okay to express the feelings. And yes, this is very exaggerated and we're kind of making fun of that emotionality. But at the heart of it, you know, it's a good thing. It's not something that should be shamed. And I'm very big on that because I think, you know, growing up, I was not, um, it was not acceptable for me to be so emotional. So I feel very, there, there's a strong purpose here for me to be able to speak on emotions and sensitivity and to get to do it through this cartoon and this character that is so fun, I think is, is such a gift. And I mean, I, I like, I like that because it's refreshing to see like, you know, female characters that are allowed to show an emotion that isn't like overtly joyous and happy or just like angry. 
Like, I'm so tired of, like, you know, the majority of, like, you know, Western media portraying, like, you know, female characters that that they can only have, like, two emotions. It's like, you're either, like, really stern or angry or humorless or you're just, like, you know, kooky and zany. Like, there's no in between. Yeah. It's just, come on. Or crazy. I mean, let's talk, you know, crazy for women throughout time have been told that their emotions make them crazy you know um oh you can't have a woman be president because when she's on her period look out you know um and someone recently said uh, oh a friend of mine um was saying that you know in terms of like the most emotional presidents we've ever had i mean we just had trump who she said was the most periody president anyone's ever had so (laughs) like uh, just as a woman to be able to represent emotionality and not have it be, oh, well, she's crazy, um, you know, is uh, it means a lot to me. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just really stupid to just to just assume like, oh, man, you know, you're being so emotional when you're upset. You know, you should smile more or whatever. It's just like, come on, man. You like, you know, I, I hate to be like, you know, it's it's current year, but. The fact that we're still having, you know, these discussions in 2021 is just like, come on, man. Just come on. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, that's another point. Like for men, it's like not given the permission to be emotional, um, that women's emotions are crazy and men don't have emotions except anger. That's OK. But, you know, it's it's just it's just such a lie. Well, I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> like, what, what do I, what do we get as men? As men, it's like, yeah, you can either be really angry and and you know, just let out your frustrations on everyone else, or you can just be a fat, stupid idiot because that's it. <laughs> like, that's right. it. Those are the only two archetypes you have. You don't have any right. any complexity <laughs> when it comes to characters, and it's right. just like, come on, like, w- there is way more. Like I've met some pretty interesting guys who have who have shown like like so many like so so many interesting personalities and it just it just kind of bothers me that we're just stuck with you know just characters just being stuck with like two or three emotions regardless of you know gender because it's just like you know people are scared that they if they might you know challenge the the norm uh, everyone's going to go hey wait a minute we can't have a show where you know, uh, men and women don't act like we, uh, the the general audience expects them to. That's insane. It's just come on. Right, right. I mean, what we're really speaking about right now is you know, allowing the full range of human experiences and stories and realities to be portrayed in you know the media in whether it be cartoons or, you know, television shows of all kinds, films, you know, to allow that full range of human stories to be out there um, is, is so important. And I guess, you know, I mean, here in the States, it's, oh, there are so many issues with that. They're trying. <laughs> They're trying. But we'll see what happens. You know, I think of Asian Americans and just the complete dearth of stories and representations and just not being allowed to be the full full human beings and there are repercussions 
to that in our culture. As you were saying, you know, it's limiting. So let's hope the future holds a lot more um, complex characters and stories for everybody. Yeah, I mean, we're trying. I mean, like, again... We're we're I don't think we're at that point where we can say okay it's perfect now everything's hunky dory no like there are still issues that that are still prevalent and there are issues that should be called out and and I'm tired of of people just pretending like you know hey you know just because we have more you know you know a little bit more uh, leeway in what we can and can't do in television nowadays that we should ignore the bad no we should call out the bad and and point out the problems that when they arise because these are real issues that um that not only affect entertainment but affect like how how uh human beings view each other and you know yeah, exactly. we, we we just can't it just makes me sad to see like a lot of people like whenever i read like whenever discussions about you know hot button issues like you know lgbt representation and and you know children's media comes up cuz i remember um like there was a you know discussion between like some people were really happy about um more lgbt characters being involved in in children's media compared to to the past and then like like clockwork someone has to bust in and say well i'm not a fan of that because <laughs> blah 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 and it's just mm-hmm. you know given giving these really nitpicky reasons and and it's like, come on, man, like, you know, you can just you can just say that it makes you feel uncomfortable. Like, you know, I don't know why you have to sugarcoat your bigotry, but, you know, let's let's not mm-hmm. like let's not stop like mm-hmm. stop stop effing pretending that, you know, you're not uncomfortable seeing, you know, um, LGBT characters in children's cartoons. Right. I, I like that sugarcoat your bigotry. That's a good title for something. <laughs> no, because I noticed that a lot. Because uh, at least I... a blog post. At least. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of saying it. I mean, I've experienced that a lot. I think we all have. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not being a bigot, but you just don't like it. <laughs> You're like, mm, maybe you are a bigot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I see, I see it all the time. It's like, you know, the moment they announce, like, you know, oh God! Uh, like the moment they announce, like an actor, you know, a per, you know, any any property of 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 starring like a, a a person of color in the main role, you better believe like there's gonna be a shit storm in the comments, like, or or any any storyline that deals with like a, a female character, you know, uh, calling out sexism. Be it like it doesn't matter if it's like really well done or really terribly done, it it's still gonna get like negative reactions you're still going to get people who are going to review bomb the shit out of everything and just say oh it's pushing an agenda pushing an agenda pushing an agenda without realizing that um you know some of these things we need to to have a talk about them you know we can't just you know Mm -hmm. close our you know put our put our fingers in our in our ears and go la 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 la, nothing you know i can't hear you everything's great you know i don't know why you have to keep changing everything i don't know i have to keep putting in politics into everything <laughs> right. I mean, it's really about, you know, I think storytelling, right, should be about truth and truths and, um, you know, the even the uncomfortable truths. It might not be your truth, you know, but it's someone's truth. And it's it's important to 
I think have people feel that they are seen, you know, um, because it's a, it's a form of annihilation to not be seen. Uh, and, and so the more our storytelling is, is diverse like that, I think it's, it empowers human beings, all of us. Yeah. I mean, cause we're, we're at that point where we're tired of seeing like stereotypes and that are supposed to represent us, you know, and we just want, like, we just want stuff that we can look back on and say, yeah, that's pretty cool that we're, that we're having, you know, these sort of stories starring people of color and we're not, they're not stereotypes and it's not, you know, just like, just normal. It's not that hard. Just write them. Just write people as people. Don't doesn't matter about their you know background. Just write people as people. That's all I ask for. (laughs) Right, but if you if you don't have any experience, you know, with a with a gay teenager in Minnesota, you know, you probably shouldn't be writing it. Uh, You should find somebody who can write that authentically. You know, and and I mean stereotypes do come from that, um, you know, ignorance. And then they can also come from at their worst, they can come from, uh, hatred, but, um, hopefully we're, hopefully we're past that. (laughs) Hopefully we're past just blatant hatred in our, uh, you know, in our storytelling, uh, right now. But but I mean, like, you know, going back to, you know, Casa Grande's like what I, what I love about the show is that, you know, it's it's not afraid to have a cast of characters that aren't like, you know, that aren't just stereotypical, you know, that aren't just stereotypes like the, every every character has their own trait. And and it's nice to, 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 to be able to watch a show about, you know, an, a Mexican-American family and not have it be like you know, stereotypical, you know, Mexican, you know, stereotypes. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and I mean, that's a credit to the whole team over there, the writers, you know, and producers really wanting there to be authenticity. And, you know, Mexican-Americans are not a monolith, you know, like, there's so much diversity within within the community. I mean, and and even the cast. You know, we all have different experiences, and not everybody is uh, has has Mexican heritage at all. You know, I have my father was Mexican American, but you know, was my father like any of these characters? No. <laughs> Maybe like Carlos a little. He was a real nerd, a real intellect but nothing like him, you know? So there's just endless characters. The more specific you get, uh, the writing gets, and they're drawing on their own experiences, the more you're going to have these really specific, non-stereotypical people, you know? Yeah, I mean, like a a really great recent episode was the Tudor episode where they had a, you know, Native American character who was just a person, who was just portrayed as a person and not a stereotypical, you know? Native American yeah, character. And, and I and I think, you know, I'm always thinking that like we'll really be at a place, like in a good place when characters can be more than their ethnicity. You know, sometimes you see in programming for uh Latinos that they well, the show has to be about their 
you know, Mexicanness, or it has to be about their, you know, whatever, whatever, wherever they're from, Peruvianness, let's say, you know, it has to be about their ethnicity. Um, and I think when we get to a point where they can just be as like fully human and the topic, we don't have to even address it, that we'll be in a really strong place with storytelling. Um, like, I don't know if you've seen the show Bridgerton, if you watch that show, it, it's, uh, not an animated show, but, um, the casting is that in that is, is really interesting. Check it out. Uh, Shonda Rhimes, uh, show it's a Shonda Rhimes show. Um, but, but yeah, I, I'm excited for that future when we can be more than our, you know, ethnicity or culture. It doesn't have to be so in your face as well. No, I mean, I mean, they they even like you know. Speaking of that, they even did an episode of Casa Grandes that addresses this the this issue of like, hey, you know, it's fine to you know, it's fine to be proud of your you know tradition and heritage, but like you know, you don't have to like act like you know you're you know uh, you know be be stuck as as a stereotype. Like, don't you know yeah. flaunt it 24 7 and like i just i just love that episode as well because like it's just hilarious seeing like you know abuela get worried about like you know her kids being you know her grandkids being too americanized and she's like no nah, we gotta act more mexican right. more mexican <laughs> right right you know and growing up with you know my mother was an immigrant uh from peru and so that was my experience was so different than, you know, her experience. And, um, you know, you know, she had, she had an accent and she had little cultural things that she did that we laughed at as her American kids, you know, growing up in California. Um, and then my father had a totally different experience being Mexican American born and raised in Los Angeles, you know, it's just, um, again, it's just all comes down to the specific experiences. They're, they're just so rich and um, the different, I think the Casa Grandes is so cool because it captures the multi-generational differences, which is very true, you know, in my experience. Yeah, I mean, I just I just love the fact that, you know, you have, you know, Abuelo who's like really, really, really cheap and, you know, Hector who's like, you know, yeah, I'm not. I'm not paying for 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 anything expensive. It's just I don't, and yeah. and just just being that's like real. A, that's real. Yeah, just just being like the ultimate boomer, and it's just so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, that's where you know good writing comes from. Like where you know everything inspires everything. I mean, and if there's no. Like if there's nothing from your real life that in, that you then you know if you don't put anything from your real life into your writing then you know why are you doing this? Right, that is true. So, I mean, it's it's just also it's kind of crazy to think that you know like we're talking about the show like it's it's a kind of a new thing but you got to remember like the show aired in like 2019 and it's been going on for for two years now and it's kind of like wow I, I cannot believe it's already been two years. Where does the time fly? I know. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. And if I go back to chart, like when I first auditioned for the Loud House character of Frida, 
you know, that was a long time ago. I think, yeah, it was at least, it's got to be three years. Yeah, it's three years, I think. Yeah, because I was looking through like some old tweets and I'm like, oh man, that episode aired in 2018. That, that episode's already three years old. Oh my goodness. My goodness. I know. Like let's, let's hope that it runs for 20 years. <laughs> no, man, I've, I I joke like when, when I've had people on the, on, from the Loud House, from the Loud House cast on here, I joke like, you know, you guys will be like old ladies still doing it. Like it's, it's going to happen. You guys are going to be like old ladies, like still, still doing it. It'll, it'll sound different, but you know, Hey, it'll be, it'll still be around. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about voiceover. You can do it until you are on your last dying breath. You can get that voice out. <laughs> you know, a lot of people's voices don't don't change. You know, you can, I mean, you, you can be doing this. You know, I'm going to be in my wheelchair. They're going to wheel me in for my sessions. <laughs> Hopefully we can all be in person again by then. And uh, they can wheel me in, and I'll still be doing the Casa Grandes. <laughs> uh, what's what's the character's name again? I forget. <laughs> right. Tell me my lines. What? She cries? Oh, God. She's still crying. <gasps> yeah. I mean, I, hopefully, like, you know, when the pandemic lifts, we can go back to, um, to you know, in-person records, because I, because I, <laughs> I, 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 um, I kind of just miss seeing seeing group records and just um, just seeing the, the wonderful talented cast come together and to bring to life the, the, these amazing shows. Because like, recording through Zoom oh, yeah. is just not the same. <laughs> not the same. Also, I miss going to Nickelodeon. My God, that campus is just so beautiful, and you know everyone's so nice and. They feed us, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful place to show up to work and uh, you feed off the energy when you're in person and you get to catch up with people on the Zoom sessions. You can't get into a chat with people because uh, everyone is there and it's very, uh, you know, session focused. We got to get in and get out before somebody has a tech issue. So uh, I can't wait to be back in person. I mean, hopefully, hopefully this year. I mean, I think, you know, once I'm vaccinated, man, I'm vaccinated next month, fully vaccinated. So I'm going to be, uh, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to go back. Oh, I envy you because I only got like the first shot and I'm still waiting on the second. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting on the second. I'm waiting on the second. So that's next month, you know, so. After that, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm sure they're going to wait. They Number one is safety. So I'm sure they're going to wait. You know, we don't want any issues since, you know, coronavirus can hurt. You know, it's a respiratory virus and you don't want people being intubated and damaging their throats. But I mean, I don't know. I, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm in a very hopeful place right now that we're going to be able to work together in person this year maybe in the fall and um do you you know speaking of you know group records do you have any like funny stories from the from the time you recorded some episodes oh 
I don't know that there's anything specific. I mean, it's always fun uh, when Sunil is there. I don't know if you know, if you've ever interviewed Sunil. He plays um, Par, and he plays, um, let's see, his last name is Mahotra, I believe. But he plays Par, and he plays one of these pigeons that uh, keeps coming around. God, what's the name of the pigeon? I can't remember. That real raggedy-looking pigeon. He is so funny, and a lot of times we we were placed in the in the back of the um, the booth. It's one big room, you know, but there are like three people in front, and then I'm usually in the corner. They put Frida in the back corner, probably because she cries and screams. Uh, so I'm in the back corner, and then Sunil would be uh, to my left often when he came in, and we would just like make little faces at each other and try not to laugh out loud. Um, and take selfies, but he's, he's a joy. I really like working, uh, with him. I mean, everyone's great. Uh, everyone's so funny and great, but yeah, I can't think of anything specific. I just want to see everybody and hug everybody <laughs> at this point. No, it's, it's going to be real interesting when everyone's vaccinated and everyone, you know, starts interacting with each other again, and it's going to be really awkward because everyone's going to be like, <laughs> What it's been, it's been a year of no no contact and and it's just ugh. everyone's gonna be right. everyone's gonna be. Gonna, no, go, go I ahead. think people are gonna be at different levels. People are gonna be at different levels. You know, some people are still gonna be like, I'm not comfortable yet, um, and other people are gonna be like clinging to people and other. I think we're gonna it's gonna be awkward and you're gonna have to respect where people are at um that's how i see it happening and you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna have my mask for sure i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a mask person i think the rest the rest of my life like i was already wearing a mask sometimes on airplanes like especially traveling over christmas i would have a mask uh my husband would have a mask uh so now I for sure, I mean, I've bought so many cute little masks. I'm going <laughs> to gonna continue to live that mask life, I think. You just, you, you just want to show off, don't you? It's like I paid money for these I things. <laughs> I, I do have a Frida mask, actually, a really cute um, Frida Kahlo mask. I have a Frida Kahlo blanket. I have a free, I'm like really into Frida Kahlo before this role. Um but yeah, I got to wear my Frida Kahlo mask and my other masks. Uh, at this point, I'm double masking. I mean, come on, that's the way to do it. Uh, so the fashion mask goes um, over my KN95 mask below. I'm not taking any chances. <laughs> just, just, or just uh, go, go full Darth Vader. It's just like come out with a, with a suit, and an oh. armor. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, my husband has sent me some. You know some links to some full like spacesuit bubble thing. So I'm like, yeah, I guess we could do this, huh? We could be those astronaut people <laughs> in a full suit. I was on a job, actually, this reminds me, I was on a commercial job on camera um, last year and the director had a mask it was kind of like a helmet, see-through, but he had oxygen pumping into it. He had this little apparatus that circulated the air in there and gave him oxygen. It was crazy. Well, I mean... It was crazy. 
Are you sure it wasn't he a... was. <laughs> That sounds I like a... sure it wasn't what? Are you sure it wasn't a Ko- are you sure it wasn't a Kojima character? Because that sounds like a Kojima character. Oh. <laughs> it was not. This was a live human man. He was the director, and yeah, he had this apparatus thing with a, he just like click a little button, and I guess he was getting some oxygen. It was crazy. I mean, look, if you got the money for this type of an apparatus, I guess go for it. But I, I haven't seen one since. Of course, I haven't been on a set since that time i ended up just booking out and saying i'm not i'm not dealing right now i'm not going and things were so bad in los angeles i was like it's not worth it i can not work for three months i'm doing voiceover from home i don't need to uh, go on a set right now if i'm going to be nervous about it during the height of the pandemic here i mean it was pretty wild oh yeah i mean i remember what when the when the numbers got real high and i'm like what are you guys doing? I thought you had this under control. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. I mean, it was, no, it was not under control. It was out of control completely November, December, January. Scary. Yeah, scary. And we have known so many people who got it, you know, and people who were very, very, very careful. So I think that was the thing that was like, wow, that person barely leaves their home and they got it. So... We are, yeah. Maybe we should get those spacesuits. <laughs> Come to think of it, maybe we should get some spacesuits just in case this winter something happens. We uh, go through it again. Uh, they they all laughed, and uh, you know, we we watched all those old nineteen um, fifties movies where everyone dre- is dressed in spacesuits. Oh, we all laughed at that. We're like, yeah, we'll never wear that in the future. But little did we know, they were right all along. Yeah. (laughs) The paradigm shift, you know, there are so many things that you're you're walking around seeing things and it's like, you know, dystopian. You're like, I've seen this in a movie that was so, was about the future and, you know, the apocalypse. And here I am, like witnessing it in front of me i mean it's crazy even getting the vaccine you know the tents and the lines of people and it's like wow this is crazy that we are living through this time oh it's it's crazy like when you get when you get the vaccine shot and they're like okay walking walking stay on the line stay on the line don't do not leave the line (laughs) and then you know did you you had people leaving the line no, 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 but, 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 but I mean, like, cause, cause we went in, it's like, um, cause they took this whole like convention center that we used to have for comic cons and stuff, but we, you know, we can't have them anymore. And they, they changed it up to, 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 you know, be the vaccine place. And, and we just had, we just were told like, you know, stay in the line, stay in the line, do not leave the line. <laughs> Did people, were people trying to go up to like cut the line up front or were they trying to just like. No, 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 Leave no, no. Everyone, get, everyone, you know, food. no, everyone was like well behaved and, and there weren't a lot of mm-hmm. people, which is kind of depressing because, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. you would not believe how many, <laughs> like, it's kind of comforting to know that anti-vaccine vaccination bullshit is prevalent in other world, <laughs> other, in, in other, in other places and not just, it's not exclusive mm-hmm. to the States, so. Do not believe that yeah. everyone's like smart here and and's taking the vaccine because um we're not and I mean it's kind of affected us pretty badly because the cases are because the cases are going up now and um oh no yeah and 
it's uh we're back on lockdown by the way like as of recording we're back on oh, lockdown no. so we oh no we're opening up i i, I don't I mean, I think people are desperate to get the vaccine here for the most part because it was so bad. And, you know, most people know somebody who not only had it, but like died from it. I mean, I know somebody, you know, my brother-in-law's dad died from it in New York at the heights of it. And I know other people hospitalized from it. And then I know so many people that got it. Um... So I feel like maybe the saving grace for Los Angeles will be that people really are taking it seriously um, because they it's hit so close to home for everybody. So I'm hoping like we're opening up, I think on Monday, they're starting to open up restaurants for the first time, like at 25 percent capacity. But um, I mean, things haven't been open since and gyms. I don't think that's been open for like a year. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully everybody will wake up and enough people will get vaccinated all over the world, you know, because we're all interconnected. And, you know, everybody, wouldn't we all love to be traveling again on God, getting on a plane and just going to another place that isn't your immediate uh, surroundings. <laughs> oh, I mean, I just, I mean, honestly, I'm honestly, I'm at that point where I'm like, I just want to get out of here. I'm just like, I don't care where I just want to get out of here. <laughs> no, I mean, but I mean, I'm just saying like, um, I'm someone who just hates to travel, but I will, you know, travel. So <laughs> yeah. Post, uh, well, post COVID, who knows? Yeah. I'd be like, we are going around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Touching everybody. I don't care. <laughs> I'll spit in your mouth exactly. if you let me. <laughs> exactly. People have changed under this, you know. I mean, some people might have realized, I don't want to see anybody. I don't need to see anybody. And maybe other people are like, you know what? I actually like people. And uh, I think I'm going to go see them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway... Um... It's it's just been crazy, and I and I hope like you 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 know you and your loved ones are staying safe because it's just um, it's just getting crazier and crazier. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, everyone, we're, we're staying safe. And, we are, and um, <laughs> and you know before before we wrap this up, um, you know, is there anything else you want to you want to talk about? You know, now's your chance. You know, you have the. You have the soapbox. <laughs> you can say whatever you want uh-huh. and and promote every, whatever you want, and and I'll just shut up. <laughs> awesome. Well, I will say if anybody wants to, um, you know, listen to more of what I have to say, uh, I do have a podcast called The Risking Space, and that's a podcast about art and discomfort. It's basically about you know artists taking risks of different types. Um, and we've talked to some wonderful, um, mostly actors, but, but other artists as well, or a lot of multi-hyphenate like writers and, and actors. We spoke with, uh, Randall Park, who I mentioned, who played Kim Jong-un in the interview. Um, and we talked to him about the risk of playing a dictator and what that was like to take on a role like that when the dictator was still alive. Uh, you know, and, um, all sorts of people, Michaela Watkins, Edie Patterson, like just wonderful artists um, 
who are inspirations uh, to being brave, essentially. So you can check that out on wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, um, you know, speaking of that, I've actually been listening to that, and it's just been really, really fascinating, and um, it's it's great. <laughs> it's kind of like the equivalent of brain food because I love listening to that while I'm writing stuff because it's just so oh, cool. so, so inspirational. <laughs> I gotta say. <laughs> oh. oh, thank you, thank you for listening. Yeah, we just are loving having these conversations, you know, and um, I think it's important to be reminded that discomfort, you know, risk, it it can feel scary, but um, it also is thrilling and we really want to celebrate it and, um, you know, I guess inspire, inspire people to take the risks, put their stories out there, put their art out there, do that thing that they're afraid of because everyone who's doing it has been afraid and is currently afraid, (laughs) but they're just doing it. That's the only difference, right? So I'm so glad you're listening. No, man, I mean, I, 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 like I said to, to many people before, I need all the entertainment and inspiration I can get these days because my God, like, especially, especially after I found out we're going back on to, to lockdown, I'm like, oh, this will not be good for my mental health. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I know. I know. We'll take care of it. We we actually just did an interview about mental health um, yesterday um, in anticipation of Mental Health Awareness Month, which isn't until May, but we we had our guest, uh, Ginger Gonzaga, who's wonderful. And she's also a voiceover. I think she's on Family Guy. She's a wonderful actress. And um, and she has been very vocal about her own mental health struggles. So um, that episode is coming out in May. And I just think it's, it's going to be such a powerful, powerful episode. So you take care of your mental health. And, and everyone listening, I hope. You know, lockdown is hard and uh, whatever you need to do to take care of yourselves is uh, is the right thing to do. All right. And with that, I will just want to thank you so much for taking the time off to do this. And uh, this was a lot of fun. And I just kind of understand, like, you know, you're on a busy schedule. And, like, you know, if you ever want to come back, you know, door is always open. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the talk and just thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.